Hello and welcome to All Villa No Fill Up podcast, all about Aston Villa, the world's greatest football team. Unai Emery's mighty side didn't play this weekend, but there was still plenty of action in the transfer window this week. We'll talk all about the links from this week. And later, Frankie has one of his tongue-tickling spicy questions for me. But first things first, Frankie, how are you? Are you looking forward to a tongue-tickling spicy question? <laughs> I always am, Frankie. Every time every time I know that one's coming up, I feel, you know, it's, I start to sort of salivate at the back of my throat just <laughs> thinking about the spicy question to come. Yeah. And, I, and I, you know, I have no idea what it is. Yeah. So I'm, I'm intrigued. It's like... Um, it's like if someone, you know, a waiter gives you a menu and you look through and you go, surprise me and hand it back. <laughs> That's what it feels like. It's one. It's going to be one big surprise for me. And they just bring out port scratchings. <laughs> yeah, just, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, uh, yeah. Doing all right. The storm has arrived where I am. Storm, yeah. Whatever it's called. I can't follow the names now. Um, but yeah. Um, so the windows are rattling. Uh, the, the gods have arrived and they're reminding us of their mighty presence here. Um, kind of like when Aston Villa play and we remind our opponents of our great presence. Um, Storm Villa has arrived. So, yeah, but unfortunately no Storm Villa this weekend. I always feel a bit of a loss when Villa don't play. It's a bit of... I'm glad they're not playing because I am glad they're getting a bit of a break. Yeah. They've played a lot of games recently, quite high-impact high emotional high intensity games so uh it's nice i think yeah i think the break is you know sometimes we talk about you know is a break good for some clubs bad for some clubs i think for us at this stage it's i think it's really good isn't it because i think we were looking a little bit jaded uh over christmas weren't we um in terms of performances and a couple of results which were slightly disappointing but um yeah, I've noticed all the players on their Instagram pages have flown off to, you know, all parts of the world to, to Dubai. You know, Dubai. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Dubai's the most footballer place in the world, isn't it? It just screams footballer. Yeah, it it does. And they're all there. Uh aside <laughs> from Dougie, I think, who's in Portugal. Um, okay. I guess as a Portuguese speaker, that seems to be a sensible place yeah. to go. Um, and um, yeah, uh, he's not with Alicia Lehman, of course. His no. on again, off again girlfriend. I mean, that's that's keeping me interested, Frankie. Oh, yeah. Well, I've been on a bit of a sabbatical. I do like to check in every now and again and see how they're getting on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It does bring a smile to my face when I see them, you know, together on Instagram, or at least on Instagram. I just assume they'd live their lives on Instagram, very much yeah. like like us. Yeah. Um, we know. don't have quite as many followers. I think Alicia's got something like 20 million followers. We're, we get, we're, we're Frankie, we get, we get. She's looking behind her back right now, thinking, oh, I've got to watch out for Frankie Maguire. Frankie's just hit 420. <laughs> He's on yeah, his way. It's, it's only going one way, Frankie. Well, George, the only way's up. Just you. I'm going to get down the gym, get beach body ready. Yeah. That's what everyone does on Instagram, isn't it? If you, type, if you go on anywhere on Instagram, any location, particularly beaches, and just click on like a hashtag of like a location, you go, oh, I want to see what this looks like. Maybe there'd be pretty photos of the location, yeah. some ideas about restaurants to go to. All it is just... Influencer after influencer after influencer. Um, you know, I click on Cardiff and I just see pictures of you posing everywhere. <laughs> on Cardiff Bay Barrage. Yeah. <laughs> just top, tops off, six so, back out. Staring off glumly into the distance. Frankie, Aston Villa have just had a loss. If you've got it, flaunt it. That's yeah. what I said. And, and I've got it in spades. Yeah, exactly. I don't have any of it, so... <laughs> Well, listen. I'll send you. I'll send you my routine. Yeah. I, I, maybe, maybe that's it. I, maybe, maybe I need to become an influencer. I'm sort of basically. I'm using you to piggyback yeah. my own career as a as an influencer. 
uh, <laughs> and tick TikToker. Um, yeah. So um, so yeah, stay tuned, stay tuned for that. But while yeah. I'm here, I suppose I might as well talk about Aston Villa with you. Oh yeah. Um, as you as you said, no Villa game uh, this week, but plenty to talk about uh, in the transfer market. And mm-hmm. you know, let's 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 go through some names that we've been hearing in the in the press uh, and on social media over the last few days. Three in particular, sort of seem to be doing the rounds in particular. Mm. Um, and they they seem to be following a similar theme, which we'll obviously touch on in a moment. So they are uh, Costal... Uh, these are ones I'm going to get the names wrong. Yeah, good luck, good luck with these. <laughs> uh, Kosta Nedeljkovic, the yeah. Serbian uh, right-back from... Um, I'm going to call them Red Star Belgrade. Yeah. Um, Morgan Rogers from Middlesbrough. And Hakon Raffen Valdemarsen, the goalkeeper from Elfsborg in Sweden. He's the Iceland- an Icelandic international. Mm. And one thing that stands out about all of them, Frankie, is they are all very young, which marks a bit of a change, really, from how we've seen mm. arrivals at Villa Park over the last few years, particularly under Steven Gerrard, who actually made a point of raising the squad's age. Yeah. It seems like Monchi and, and Emery are quite keen at uh, reducing it. Yeah, uh, and I personally kind of agree with it, really. I think there has to be a a healthy mix of the two. You can't just keep blowing all your money on players who are in the autumn of their career. Now, you know, I I give Perzo a lot of credit for, you know, various different things. And I think the academy was like one of his great innovations when he came into the club. One of the first things we did, you know, whether he sort of lifted the template from Chelsea and Man City, whatever, at least he did it. Um, and we sort of reaped the dividends from that and we continue mm-hmm. to, hopefully for years to come. But I did think in the late Perslow-Gerrard era, you know, I know Danny Ings was before Gerrard, but when I think of like the likes of Danny Ings, Coutinho, Diego Carlos, Luca Dean, um, uh, all of these players were signed for close to 30 million, pretty much, mm-hmm. apart from Coutinho, who was 17 million. All of them on big wages over 100 grand a week. I think at one point, Danny Ings was in our was our highest paid player, 125k a week, and um, that was what was reported. And he, uh, you know, came in in quite confusing circumstances. Turned up on the day Grealish left, and came in when we already had Ollie Watkins operating in his position already. And it was a question, you know, could the two play together? That we we it was a question we created and we never needed an answer to it really. We never needed to create that question. But the point is that we kept, it felt like we were buying a lot of players that were a bit older and putting them on long contracts and players that to be quite frank, were not going to make enough of a differential to the team to get us into Europe and the champions league. And in particular, Steven Gerrard was never going to do that anyway. Whereas actually the players that have kind of driven us, Ford are players that largely were bought not for big fees, really. Yeah. Um, you know, you could say Leon Bailey was the way he's played this season. At th- I think he was about 30 million from Leverkusen, but generally, you know, our key players have been, you know, Bubakar Kamara, um, Emmy Martinez, 15 million, uh, Douglas Louise, John McGean, Ollie Watkins, um, Ezri Concer. Uh, you know, that's kind of the spine of the team. Jacob Ramsey, Academy player, Alex Moreno, Al Torres was a bit more money, you know. Um, but, you know, so I think it's it's important to have players who have experience, but at the same time, prioritizing younger signings who are a bit lower risk, particularly in this environment with FFP, where things are, let's face it, 
a lot of clubs now are quite tight. Forest and Everton have paid the price for that. And Everton paid the price for signing a lot of players in the autumn of their career who were on big contracts and they couldn't shift them. You know, that that's a mistake that a lot of clubs have made over the years. So you have to have a healthy mix of the two, I think, because you do need experience as well as youth. And, um, you know, Newcastle at the moment struggling to buy players and will likely have to sell one of their big guns, um, you know, Guimaraes or whoever. And uh, when it comes to uh, to Villa, you know, um, I, this is kind of Monchi's MO. It's Monchi in action. You know, you look back on his past at Sevilla, um, you look think back on players like uh, Danny Alves, for instance, who he brought in, uh, you know, from Brazil when he was very, very, you know, young, early 20s, ended up being one of the greatest right backs in world football history. Um, you know, unfortunately, he's got horrendous controversy around him at the moment. So, you, you know, that overshadows his career. But um, as a player, you know, what Monchi found in him it was kind of indicative of what Monchi's approach is. You know, Rakitic, another player he found quite cheap, came in and ended up becoming one of the best midfielders in world football in the last 10 years. Um, you know, Jesus Navas, Sergio Ramos players who came through the academy at Sevilla. So, um, you know, it's quite... It's, I'm glad to see Villa are focusing on finding some of the best young talents they can find, bringing them in. And if two of them don't work, well, it's not that big a loss. You know, whereas if Danny Ings doesn't work or Coutinho doesn't work, that's a lot of money you're spending mm. and you're stuck with big contracts. Whereas if one of these players, you know, let's say... Nedeljkovic or Nedeljkovic, whatever it is currently pronounced, um, if he ends up being a 30, 40, 50 million pound fullback, well, there you go. You know, if one of them works out, perfect. So, um, yeah, I'm quite excited by it, and particularly in this environment of FFP, where, you know, let's face it, Villa probably are quite tight, you know, given all the signings we've made um, over the years. Um, you know, we're going. Every club's now going to have to do outgoings and be mindful of it. So I think that future-proofing yourself in this way is probably quite a wise way to go. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. I think um, you know we we've certainly seen in the time that Emery's been at Villa as well that he he, he is in the, the the business of improving players. Um, you know, so so that that bodes well for these players who potentially could be on Villa's books in in the next couple of weeks or so. As you were saying, they're very they're very young. They're potentially quite quite raw, um, but you know, as you've seen, you know, Emery working wonders with the players already under uh, you know under his disposal at his disposal. He has the you know the the um, the man the managerial and the coaching nous to to get the best out of them, um, give them the confidence to play, um, and and yeah, I mean these these are very. Uh, you know, intriguing signings. Yeah. I think sometimes if you if you sign players like Coutinho or like Dina, I know Dina's found a bit of form in in recent weeks, but for a long time, you know, he he was he was struggling, um, and uh, and yeah, there's there's the, as as a fan, that's frustrating, isn't it? Because you you know you know that they've been brought in for a lot of money, they've been brought in on big wages, and so the expectation on the players from the from the fans is quite is quite. Um, quite fierce it's quite strong isn't it so yeah. um there's a lot of pressure on them to to succeed and you talk about you know what is their motivation are they are they here for the money um you know do they feel that they've done it already you know in, in again if we talk about Coutinho he's played for clubs like Liverpool and Barcelona was he ever really in a position and he had you know injury and form problems for much of his career towards towards the sort of the tail end of it obviously by the time he arrived at Villa um you know that they're all kind of like 
you know, big red flags, aren't they? Okay, as a name, it's impressive. Yeah, but in terms of probably what helps you can, marketing wise, yeah. yeah, and marketing wise, sure, there are there are a couple of benefits, but you know, fundamentally, what he can do on the pitch didn't seem to live up to the the, the sort of the name of Felipe Coutinho. Um, whereas, um, you know, some of the players we've been linked with, they 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 they're not going to arrive. If they do arrive, they're not going to arrive, um, costing us too much money in, in either in either transfer fee or wages, mm. and they've got a lot to prove. I mean, if you talk about one of the best players we've signed in the last, God, 50 years, it's John McGinn, who came yeah. for two and a half million uh, from Hibs when we were a championship club. And he is now, you know, one of the first names on the team sheet and our captain. Mm. So if he's anything to go by, then, um, and he's improved under, under Emery. So, you know, if, if he's anything to go by and, and Emery's man management skills is anything to go by, then I've got real hopes that, you know, if any of these players or any ones we haven't named, um, come into the club in the next couple of weeks uh, or week or so, then um, then they're coming to the right place uh, to improve. I mean, if you we, if we talk about some of these players individually, um, mm -hmm. so uh, Nadelkovic is, <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be honest, I, I don't know too much about him. I do remember watching the Champions League game between Red Star and um, Man City, where, you know, he put in a, a very strong performance as, you know, again, he's he's only 18. So, you know, teenager playing against world-class opposition and he more than held his own. Um, I think he's played for Serbia up until under 19 level. He's yet to make his senior debut, but I'm sure that's, that's on the horizon. And that's the one where, where, you know, really, although there's been no official announcement, that is the one where we're expecting that to be confirmed in the next sort of few hours or couple of days. I mean, we, we had... Um, uh, we had a lot of, you know, um, notorious football journalists saying that the deal has been completed. So um, we're just waiting for the announcement. And the idea is that he'll go back on loan to Red Star until the end of the season and arrive in the summer. And he is a right back. You know, that's yeah. a position we've talked about a lot over the last few weeks as an area that needs strengthening. OK, it's not going to be strengthened um, before the summer. But um, but certainly that's that's an area that we, we, we've already strengthened in ahead of you know ahead of the next the next season. So it's acting quickly, it's acting decisively, which is which is always good to see. Um, yeah, what what sort of intrigues you about that signing, Frankie? Yeah, um, you know, firstly, you know, I've, I've watched YouTube clips of him, and I can tell you officially that Novak Djokovic is now just the third greatest Serbian sportsman <laughs> of all time. Um, Nedokovic goes in at second, Savo Milosevic first, obviously. Um, so that that's the first confirmation I can make. Djokovic just looks at him in awe. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, I mean, look, if, you, if you're 18 years of age and you're already starting for, you know, the top team in Serbia in Red Star Belgrade and you've got Champions League experience, that immediately puts you on the radar of a lot of clubs around Europe. You're definitely going to be watched and so the fact that Monchi and Unai Emery have watched various states of him, looked at his underlying stats, the scouting department and Aston Villa have seen something there, fills me with a lot of confidence that there must be something that's telling them that there is something to work with here with this guy. Now, obviously, you know, at that age, once he, come, once he comes into England and the Premier League, it's obviously not going to be an easy transition for him because the Premier League is different. You know, Serbian football, obviously... At the age of 18, it's, it's brutal. It's hard. I mean, you know, men's football at professional level is always difficult when you're that young. But coming to Premier League, obviously, is a different experience. So we're going to have to see how he adapts to that and also a whole new culture, new climate, um, you know, just everything about 
playing here is going to be a different experience for him. So how he adapts to that. But I'm sure Aston Villa will do everything they can to help him in that regard. But, uh, you know, if you look at transfer market, their, their expert, Alexander Milic, has described him as a, a player of great potential. Said uh, he played regularly in the Champions League only at the age of 17 and was one of the best in Red Star's team. He has enormous potential as a physical athlete. His acceleration is extremely impressive for a player his size. Has great pace without the ball and likes to play physically with plenty of contact. So that already, that sort of a description sounds very Premier League, doesn't it? Um, and he can run repeatedly uh, at high intensity for 90 minutes as well. Uh, he's a solid crosser of the ball, both from set plays and running positions. So um, all of those descriptions from a you know Serbian football expert, uh, that's you know a positive sign, I would say. And so if it doesn't work out, we haven't spent that much. So we're not really, doesn't feel like we're losing out too much. But if it does work out, well, that's a brilliant sign in that hopefully for years to come will turn out to be a very, very fruitful one. And reading that, that's, and, you know, seeing some of the clips I've seen him in, uh, particularly in the Champions League highlights, um, you can see there's something there with him and he'll just continue to physically grow. And I'm sure hopefully within the next two to three years, he'll look like a very, very solid Premier League player and one that has a high ceiling. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see where this one goes. Do you have any concern that, you know, over recent weeks we've we've heard about, you know, John Duran being unsettled? You know, he's, he's, mm. a, he's a man of similar age, Coming to the UK um, as a young man, you know, uh, from Colombia, uh, and and as you know, we don't know the whole truth of it, but certainly what we've been hearing is is he's, he is quite unsettled, and and certainly you know you'd think his age and his background has got something to do with that, which is perhaps inevitable. Is there a fear that you know with us targeting young players who aren't you know familiar with not just the league in England, but but the mm. culture, the language? Is there a concern that we could have another situation like that on the on the cards? Um, I think I think it's always an individual case, isn't it? Um, I think Aston Villa, you know, as a professional Premier League football club, will do everything they absolutely can to help you know young players coming over to to adapt and to sort of just get used to how things are, and you know, obviously help them with um, you know uh, translation and learning English and all that kind of stuff. So that, that Villa will have everything in place to help everyone as much as they can. Obviously, then it's just how you know there's out things outside the club's control. You know they they can't control everything, and so you know some individuals maybe will be able to cope with it, and some maybe just it isn't for them. And you know with the Onderan, it's an interesting one because it feels just a bit like um, you get the sense there's a sense that he desperately wants to play all the time. And um, maybe that, you know, we don't know the ins and outs of what exactly has gone on at, uh, with him. There's clearly some kind of unsettling, and you know, um, John Percy in the Telegraph reported it as well. So that's a very legitimate source. Um, and you hear these links with AC Milan. West Ham have made a loan bid for him. So there's clearly some sense within football that is there to be got. Um, I personally hope we stick with him till the end of the season. I think he should stick with Villa because I think he's learning under, well, he'll have, he's having one of the best coaching experience he'll ever have in his life and just be patient you know Ollie Watkins is the real deal right now and with Yonder Ran you know it's probably is just partly youthful impatience just wanting everything now and you know he is he has real raw talent and probably just feels that he can only reach the level he wants to reach if he's playing regularly 90 minutes of football and at the moment we can't offer that so I can understand from his perspective if he wants to go but I think yeah I think different players will react differently and I think 
you know, there might be other young players who come in and sort of realise that, you know, I can't start straight away and maybe I'm just going to have to wait my turn and when it comes, take the opportunity. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and, um, you know, Duran is, is another sort of person to watch in this transfer window, isn't he? As, you know, we've, yeah. we've seen links with Chelsea, links with West Ham today as well. So um, we'll see how that develops uh, towards the end of end of the month. Um, yeah. So from Serbia to a player who is much more familiar with football on these shores, uh, Morgan Rogers. Mm. For someone who's only 21, he's got a fair amount of experience in the English Football League. He um he started off as a as a junior at, at West Brom, boo, uh, <laughs> born in Halzoen, so you know a, a West Midlands lad, and then he joined um you know Man City's infamous uh, academy. Uh, hasn't or didn't make an appearance for them, but was uh, sent out on loan uh, first to Lincoln City, then to Bournemouth when they were in the championship, Yeah. Uh, then on to Blackpool and then signed permanently from Man City uh, only last summer, um, uh, joining joining Middlesbrough in July. So, mm. you know, he's, he's, he's racked up a fair amount of games for someone so young at a decent level. Um, you know, again... I, as I say, I'll be honest. I, I I don't know too much about him. I don't I don't know too much in terms of what he can bring. But he seems to be someone that Villa are really really keen on yeah, signing. We've heard report, reports that you know we've had a couple of bids rejected. We seem to be going back in for him. That seems to be uh, in the pipeline, doesn't it? At mm. this at this stage. But you know what? Why do you think Emery is so interested in in um, in in Rogers? What do you think he he could offer? either this season or, or certainly in seasons to come. Yeah, Hales, Owens, own Morgan Rogers. It's, it, yeah, it's an interesting one. Um, like I say, like you know, like I mentioned with the underlying stats, if you look at his stats this season, you know, 26 games in the championship, two goals, six assists. Um, it's not like tearing up trees. In the EFL Cup, which Millsborough in the semifinals of, he's got played five games, four goals, three assists. So overall, 32 games, six goals, nine assists. Nine assists is good. That's good. Six goals is all right. Age 21. I mean, those figures are okay, actually. But, you know, but it's not like, it's not screaming out of you like, this player is going to, you've got to get him in now. But, like I say, you know, with underlying stats, there will be something that Unai Emery, Monchi, scouting department are seeing something that is telling them there is, this guy could burst out at some point. And, if you know, you give him a platform to, to play with better, better players at a higher level in the Premier League, he might just go even higher than these sort of black and white stats of goals and assists are suggesting. Maybe there's other things he does in the final third. Maybe there's certain movements he make. Maybe there's certain passes he makes that don't come up on the general stats you see that are telling them this guy's got something. You know, a high ceiling and. Uh, uh, you know, with uh, Emery himself, he had the eye test. He saw him play against Aston Villa for Middlesbrough in the FA Cup the other week. And clearly Emery saw something that he really liked in that game. Um, so that all of those factors to me, again, excite me because it's like, all right, well, what is it that um, Monchi and Emery and all the others are seeing that's telling them this guy is someone that Emery is very, very keen to get in? He generally plays on the left. So if you think about it this season... Jacob Ramsey's been injured pretty much all season and he generally is the one who occupies that left-hand forward position in midfield. This season, we've had to put John McGinn out there quite a bit. 
I don't think I don't think McGinn's strongest position is on the left. I think he's better on the right. Um, Tielemans has gone out there a bit as well. And again, I think Tielemans' best position is kind of where McGinn plays on the right or as the second striker competing with Diaby. He can also sit in the Douglas Louise role. But I, I feel like on the left is where there's not a great deal of competition. So I imagine Rogers could come in, again, a relatively inexpensive fee. You know, I've seen reports that Middlesbrough want 10 million. So we've obviously gone in a bit lower than that. Somebody who's come in for a 10 million, again, with a player that they see as potentially having um, potential to work on, that Emery likes to do that, is a, is a, is a manager who's always created a nurturing environment, someone who works with players and helps them reach levels that perhaps they themselves didn't realise they could reach, as he's done with all the Villa players since he joined the club. Um, so maybe Rogers could come in as somebody who could compete with Ramsey in that role, that, you know, on the left-hand side. That's probably somewhere where I think... Um, He's identified that we need more depth, so which is interesting because right back is where you'd say we need more depth, hence why we've been linked to this right back. And on the left-hand side with Ramsey is somewhere you'd like another player, I think, to compete. I was hoping Philogene would do that this season, but obviously he wanted to play a bit more than he we could offer, so off he went to Hull. Um, but with Morgan Rogers, like I say, you know, this is one that I think, again, be excited about. Like, you know, as I say, He's not a player that immediately structures looking at those numbers and thinking, oh my God, we have to have him at Aston Villa right now. But there's clearly something Emery has seen in this player that he likes and thinks I can help him go to another level. You know, you know what as, as well, what, what this sort of like makes me think, and maybe I'm I'm being a bit too optimistic here, but it sounds like this is all feeding into the the, the thoughts that um, you know. Unai Emery sees Villa as a pro- as a long term project. Yeah, that's as true. In, you yeah. know what? What you know? He's targeting these younger players, or him and Monchi are targeting these younger players because they believe that they are the people who can, over the course of a couple of seasons, turn them into, you know, very good Premier League players. Yeah. Um. You know. So that. So hopefully that is what does that what does come to pass? Because yeah, I mean, what what I would say is, as a fan. It's much more exciting to develop players at a club than it is to sign someone who's been proven elsewhere. I would say. I know. I appreciate. You know, Rogers has had a really good season with Middlesbrough. He's had a few games at uh, different clubs on on loan in the Championship and in League One. Yeah. Um, but but you know, if he if he makes his mark, if Villa is the team that he makes his mark in the Premier League at, then that would be amazing. And and we've seen you know clubs like. Um, West Ham, they signed Jared Bowen from Hull City, you know. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, and, and they've turned into a, him into a very, very good uh, Premier League forward. So, yeah. you know, if if that's something that we can potentially do with Rogers or or any other other of the young players that we're linked with, then that would be a, a something that we would be sort of that would be a very satisfying thing. Uh, yeah, exactly. As, yeah. A, as a Villa fan, um, and then yeah, let's move on to the the final name that we mentioned there, um, Hakon Raffan Valdemarsen. Um, yeah. He's 22 years old. He's a goalkeeper. Again, another position goalkeeper that we've mentioned before, like right back as an area that we need to strengthen. And in the last uh, week or so, we've loaned Philip Marshall, who's been on the bench and actually made an appearance in uh, the Conference League for us mm. away at Mostar. We've loaned him out to MK Dons. Um, we seem to have a decent relationship with them. You know, we sent out um, Louis Barry to MK Dons as well, didn't we, for a time. Um so he's gone there. So a space has emerged in the goalkeeping department. There have been question marks as well about Robin Olsen's form and fitness mm. as well. Um, he has a number of caps for Iceland, even at his young age. 
and seems to have been making a really good impression in the Swedish top flight with Elfsborg. Mm. Um, again, you know, not not that I watch Swedish football, Frankie. I'm sure you're you're not as in tune as uh, in with it either. But you know, again, it's 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 someone it's someone who um, you know it would be an intriguing signing. It's someone that, oh, yeah. that you know, if we do bring him in. Um, that um that he's he's certainly one to one to follow and and can can grow at Villa. Mm. We actually have a lot of listeners from Scandinavia, um, Sweden. We get quite a few. Norway, I know. So hello to all everybody in Scandinavia who is uh, listening. And we yeah, uh, please do help us with the pronunciation of yes, uh, Hakan uh, Valdemar's name. Cause... And and if and if you know anything about him, if you're an Elfsborg fan or you've seen him play this season. Yeah, you know, just get yeah. If you get in touch, let us know your thoughts about him because yeah, he's again, he's he's a name that's very much under the radar as far <laughs> as we're concerned. So um, yeah, let us know how he's been playing. Yeah, because like again, another exciting one. Only two million, I think, or one point seven million pounds is the fee that apparently we've offered. And again, like this is in footballing terms, that is you're not going to really make a loss on that unless he turns out to be absolutely useless <laughs> yeah. you know yeah uh, so you'd like to think with our scouting department we would find a player who is not totally useless and uh you know um you look at him he's 14 clean sheets in 29 league appearances last year he's got goalkeeper of the year in sweden so um you know that's uh for a 22 year old that's an impressive start to your career um and uh you know i've watched some videos of him uh and you know you, you can't really go off well, a few YouTube videos or whatever. But, you know, what one thing that is noticeable is his shot-stopping reaction times are, are very impressive. Like, he's he's a very, very good shot-stopper. Um, obviously, Villa, we like to play out from the back, as do a lot of football teams now. So uh, that would be an adaptation for him if, if Elfsborg haven't really played that style before. That's something that he would, you know, have to sort of get come in and get used to. But, uh, no, I mean, signing a 22-year-old, goalkeeper of the year from Sweden to me I think is uh, you know for a relatively cheap fee um I think that's quite you know again another one that I'm quite intrigued by um and uh like I say uh who knows what sort of level he could get to he might turn out to be an absolutely brilliant signing and one day he goes for 30 million and there you go you know huge yeah. profits so you know that's that's the way to look at it I think would he be the second Icelandic player since uh, Berke Bjarnason? Have we signed any other Icelandic uh, players? Joey Gudjonsson. Oh, Joey Gudjonsson, that's right, it, yeah. It, so Iceland has a population of 370,000 or there or thereabouts, right? Mm. Are they the most like incredibly, freakishly incredible sports people on the planet or something? Because their football team, you know, like I remember like 20 years ago, Iceland's football team was not, you know, they were regularly, you know, a team you'd play and you'd see them lose generally. In the last 10 years, what they have done is absolutely unbelievable. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Drawing with Argentina in a World Cup, beat England and knock them out of Euro 2016, yeah. get to the quarterfinals of Euro 2016, regularly qualify for um, Euro Euros tournaments and World Cups. Like The, the things that that country have been doing is just... Yeah, it is. It is. It is remarkable. It is. It is incredible. Um, I mean, I don't know. There, there must be. There must be quite a strong culture for, for sports there. Yeah, as you yeah. say, with the population so small, to have that many professional sportsmen. I mean, it just be yeah, men and women be beyond um, beyond football as well. You yeah. know, to be to be to be a nation that you know competes in 
I suppose a number of I guess you'd, you'd think they'd be fairly strong in Winter Olympics. No. Um, but yeah, it's um, it's a it's a fascinating country, isn't it? Um, yeah. yeah. So hopefully, always great in Eurovision as well. Always pull always great in Eurovision. Eurovision. Always want to tune in for. Um, but also the fact that you've been playing in Sweden, maybe that would be quite good in terms of you know him sort of say learn, learning under Robin Olsen. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I think yeah, I think, I think this might be a replacement of Robin Olsen. I think if I was to be probably honest about but, it. But um, but but yeah, I mean, if he arrives and Olsen is still there, maybe he can sort of you know um, go under his under his wing as two you know fellow Nordic. Uh, but again, and again, it's another it's another example of an area where you'd look at Villa and think, where could they improve? Backup goalkeeper for Emi Martinez is a very, very explicit and obvious position that you. Oh, go, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where if we lose Martinez for games on end, we'd, we we can't, we just cannot replace him. Oh, the Marson, in you come, pal. <laughs> Straight in <laughs> from Elfsborg to uh, you know. Ceiling Champions League football at Villa Park. Imagine. Yeah. But do, you, um, do, do you think this, like, do you think the way Villa are going at the moment, do you think that's represents, you know, I, do you wish Villa were making big signings this uh, January so that we could push on for the Champions League and for the league title? Like, do you, is there any part of you that regrets Villa haven't done that? Or do you think it might be FFP reasons? Like, what? Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's a combination of things, really. Villa are fundamentally, a, a, they are a, a work in progress. Um, what we've achieved so far this season, I think, is even beyond Emery's wildest expectations. Um, you know, he, he is he is still tweaking the squad. There are players, I'm sure, that he would like to move on. There are players, you know, more high-caliber players he'd probably like to bring in. But... I think he's probably looked at the depth of the squad mm. uh, and looked at our maybe our you know our, our youth teams or, or our younger players and thought the ones that we've got at that sort of level probably aren't going to cut it um, at least yep. for him you know and we're seeing players as I say like Marshall go out on loan mm. could that be an indication that he doesn't see him as uh, you know a, a you know a young goalkeeper that's, that's got potential um, at that level. Whereas Vildemarsen would come in, take that Marshall spot, and be an upgrade on him. Do you know what I mean? So, so at every sort of level at at at, uh, at the club, we're looking to improve on the players that are at that current level. So, you know, I don't imagine Rogers, you know, we will we'll start every game for us, but there'll be a youth player who we've currently got at Villa Parker out on loan, mm. who he'll have to move on. You know, could Rogers be the replacement to Finazaz, who we've who we've who we've you know, yeah. sold to Middlesbrough. Yeah. So it's so it's kind of like, you know, the players that we're letting go at the moment need replacing, but they need to be improved upon. Yeah. And I think that that's probably what is going on at the moment. Um, obviously, with, with you know, you, ID in a, in a best case scenario, you want all of these players to come in and play first team football. I mean, that would be, that would be amazing. But, you know, you're looking at them and you're, Elsborg for one and a half million pounds. The likelihood is that they're not going to be starting week in week out uh, currently, but they're going to be working with top professionals at the club, with top coaches, yeah. with the idea that in the long term, over the next five six years, they might have a couple of loans out, but you know they'll come back and they'll be fighting for that sort of you know that number one spot. Mm. And it's just all good for competition. It's it's good yeah. at creating you know a different atmosphere at the club. 
Um, and and it just further cements, you know, Emery's stamp at the at Villa. You know, as you say, a lot of the players they've done very well, but a lot of the players that are at Villa at the moment aren't his players. He didn't sign them. He's improved them, and I'm sure he wants to keep a lot of them on. And they've sort of almost he's adopted them as his players, mm. but they're not his. And I and I wonder where what we're seeing now is, you know, he's going to be imprinting his mentality, his philosophy on a younger crop of players who are performing well at their own clubs, but he can work with and mould with and turn them into Unai Emery, Aston Villa players of the future. That's the way I see it happening. Yeah, and I think there's a couple of points actually where I don't think it it means that Villa won't make big signings this summer. No. You know, like Amusa Diaby and Pau Torres were brought in last summer. But I think what might happen is we might make a a big sale or two this summer. Yeah, I agree. More on that in the second half. And, uh, you know, I don't, um, I'm not saying I want Villa to, lose big talents but let's face it if someone comes in with a massive 100 million pound bid again like the way ffp works the way football works you know sometimes you have to make these sales you know all clubs make big sales you know man city make big sales everyone does it um and at some point we're gonna have to do it and it's how you replace them and hopefully we're future proofed ourselves and can use some of that money to you know let's say we wanted to get a 26 year old 27 year old from real sociedad who could come in and slot into midfield and be a playmaker there, we may have to spend, you know, you know, something like 50 million for him. And I, I think Villa would do that if we had the funds in place. So I think this focus on youth is not necessarily a sign that we won't ever make big signings again. I think it's just a slight, it's a more balanced approach, a healthier approach long-term, hopefully. And also, you know, it's worth remembering, I've listened to quite a few podcasts um, about European football you know, I, I listen. I, you know, watch European football a fair bit, and something that I've picked up on is that um, Villarreal, you know, Emery's most recent team, are struggling, um, and Sevilla have struggled in recent years. Monchi's most recent team, and part of the reason that both teams have struggled is because they failed to replace aging players quick enough, and the focus was for both sides a bit too much on aging players. So yeah. now they're lumbered with these contracts and these players that they simply cannot get rid of who are hamstringing them financially. And they can't, you know, instead in the past, what both of those sides used to do was bring in young players, build them, sell them on, and those players would also get them into the Europa League, Champions League, whatever, um, and just be improved on and all that. And uh, I do wonder if Monchi and Unai Emery have seen kind of what's happening at their most recent clubs that they left in the last two sort of two years and and know that that cannot be repeated at Aston Villa. So that's something worth bearing in mind as well, I think. Yeah, it it, it all seems like a, a sensible approach. And, and fundamentally, you know, every summer we can't be, as you said, we can't be signing 50 million pounds, you know, four, five, 50 million pound players. It's just not, it's just not without, feasible. Without a sale. Yeah, right. without, yeah. without a sale. Yeah, yeah. And even then with a sale, I'm not entirely sure that that's, that's, that's a wise, a wise place to go. I think what you want to do is sign a couple of, you know, seasoned, experienced, talented players, and then bring in, you know, three or four players like a Morgan Rogers or whatever, who can kind of learn alongside them, play with them. Mm. Okay. Maybe not every game. And maybe it might, it might be a case where they go out on loan or it might be a case that they don't work at all. And we have to cut our losses, but, um, but yeah, you, you need to have that balance because as you say, if you keep, if you sign experienced players for lots of money on big wages, then you'll end up, as you say, like an Everton or like a severe or VRL overseas. Um, and and be struggling with 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 a difficult kind of long term um, strategy. So mm. yeah, this, it just it's it sounds very sensible. 
Um, and and yeah, I'm all I'm all for it. All Villa, no filler on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Welcome back, everybody. Now it is time for this. Think of every battle you've watched in the movies and you still won't have seen anything as dramatic as this. The spicy question. The question that leads me to wonder, can the friendship between George and me survive? Today, Georgios of House Zielinski, I ask you, who is Aston Villa's most unsellable player? Oof, wow. Okay, that's a tough one. Yeah. I'll say why it's a tough one. Because you know, there's there, there are players who, when you say unsellable, it's kind of like I, I sometimes think there are definitely players that we could sell for a lot of money, and we would. Str- we I think we probably would struggle without them, but I wouldn't necessarily class them as uns- unsellable because in my head I think well, with FFP and and the threats hanging over all every club and what's happened to Forest and Everton, you know, very much in everybody's mind's eye at the moment. Um, you just have to bite the bullet and sell. Hmm. So, ma- namely, I'm thinking of Douglas Louise at this point. You know, who's had a phenomenal season for us, has improved vastly under Emery. Uh, is is one of my favourite players. I just think is I, I love his personality. Amazing. I love the way he plays football. He's he's just brilliant at so many things. Since he joined us, he's um, he's played in a number of different positions. He's been a bit in and out of the side um, in times where we've struggled. Um, you know, couldn't didn't really get a game under Gerard, but then yeah. under under uh, Emery, he's he's really flourished and become a top 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 Premier League player. Yeah, which is why he's been linked with a move, a big money move to other clubs. However, I think in turn, like the player I would be loath to sell in that context. Would be John McGinn. Would be the player right. I would I would least like to see him go. And I'll tell you why, for a number of reasons. I think. Well, tell me why. You tell I'll, me why. I'll, I will. I will tell you. <laughs> I'll why. tell I you tell, why, mate. I tell you. I, I will tell you why. I think. I think his his he is he is so much more than just a very good player. I mean, he is a very good player, and he is one of the first names on the team sheet. Um, he he has been again another player who's been transformed and. Uh, under Emery, he reached a spell in his time at Villa where he was a bit—he was sort of doggy paddling uh, and not really improving. And there was a time where I thought he was going to go, but he's really just managed to find his form again and recover and become just an absolutely integral part of of the Villa of the fabric of Villa. His personality, the fact that he's just—you know—he's clearly. He's a he is such a relatable player. I think mm-hmm. as a fan, you always want to look at look at players you can relate to, and see a bit of yourself in. I suppose, and I think McGinn is the fans' player. Um, his sort of sense of humor, the way he speaks, the way he engages with with the media, I think is is really really um, really important. Um, I think he's he's a he's he's like a he's a role model really. I think the fact that he arrived for such little money when we were in the championship. And he's just this sort of shining beacon of if you work hard. Like he's never the he's he's not the most talented of of players by any stretch. He's not the most technical, but he's just a shining example of someone who just grafts, works hard, improves on the training field, mm-hmm. and develops into a top Premier League player from someone who's 
you know, was a decent player in Scotland to being a, a fantastic player in the English Premier League is yeah, two very, player. very different things. And um, and he's managed to do that at our club. You know, he scored the goal that got us promoted, the yeah. second goal that got us promoted. Um, he he sort of rode that wave of he became captain and, and then everyone was like, he shouldn't be captain and he struggled for form as captain and he usurped Tyrone Mings and all the rest of it. He had to deal with all of that and came through it the other side and he's still captain. You know, Unai Emery thinks enough of him to to make sure that he has the the captain's armband still. Um, and I just love the way he, he talks. I just love the way he says, you know, this we're not we're not stopping now. You know, we're 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 constantly improving. We're constantly evolving. We're we're constantly learning under Emery, and we want to get better and better and better. And I think if if he said a year ago that Villa were going to be competing in champion, in, in, you know, for Champions League football, I think we all have laughed. Um, but no one's laughing now, Frankie. Uh, and Who's uh, laughing? Yeah, Who, where are think, you? Exactly. And he encompasses all of that, I think. Um, so I, I, I would be low to lose John McGinn. I think he okay. would improve a, 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 you know, a big club. I think he would improve a man. United. We are a big club, George. Uh-oh, I know. I know. No, we are a big club, <laughs> but, but as in, as in a club that could come in and spend a hundred million pounds on him. You know, there aren't too many of those. Hmm. Um, but a club that could, I think he genuinely would improve them. Um, so, yeah, I think he he would be the one I'd be loath to lose. Okay. He'd, be, he'd be my unsellable player, Frankie. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, he's, he's symbolic of this whole era, really, isn't he? Him and I'd say Mings as well, probably. Yeah. Um, and I think, but I, think, can... I, think, I think with Mings, um, it's unfortunate that he picked up that such a, that, you know, I was, he, does fill the same bracket as McGinn, definitely. But I do feel with Mings, given the extent of his injury uh, and and the fact that we've got Pau Torres in, who's done so well, it's, it's, mm. it will be difficult, I think, for, for, for Mings to come in and play as many games as he has done. Oh, yeah. Whereas I think McGinn, as, as captain, as someone who's so versatile, as we've seen over the course of you know, the last year or so, he's played in so many positions to a very high degree, high level. Mm. You know his versatility is another reason why I wouldn't want to want to lose him. Um, yeah, yeah, he's, he's a brilliant player. I mean, there's been games this season I've seen him live, and he's just been ten out of ten. Like everything he did was perfection. He's bullied highly, highly rated players like Palinia for Fulham. He's he's a, he's a, a very underrated player, I think. Again, generally across the board, and I, as I've said before, I think if he if Man United were managed by Alex Ferguson. I think he'd be the exact type of profile of player he'd like at his club because he's somebody who has much more quality than people realise and will never, ever stop working and actually has a great character as well. So all the elements, everything you'd ever want in a player, I think, you know, if you're if you're a coach, he probably has in spades. But for me, unsellable, the player I would be most loath to lose, Emiliano Martinez. I just think replacing him would be hellishly difficult because we spent years, didn't we, with rubbish keepers by and large or pretty average keepers or, you know, the odd kind of good keeper, but we had a lot of dross in there as well. And Martinez is just the best going. Amazing. He saves us so many points a season with his incredible saves. You know, how many keepers in world football say make that double save against Everton? You know, Calvert-Lewin, one-on-one. 
And then about tw 20 seconds later, that so diving save down to his left from James Garner. It was absolutely unbelievable. And every game, you just you're just used to it. You just think like he gets the ball. He's he's very calm and measured on the ball. His distribution's much better than he seems to get credit for. He's very confident with it. And he's learnt it very quickly because it's only a quite a recent innovation in the last few years. He's had to start doing it to the degree he does it. Um, passing it out from the back, that is, playing a sweeper-keeper. And then uh, his sort of, you know, uh, talismanic winning mentality. That's the sort of player we've just not had at Villa for so long. And, um, you know, as I say, his, his shot-stopping and his saves are just extraordinary every game. He makes an incredible save and you just, you forget it. it sometimes it doesn't mm. even make the highlights. You're like, that's one of the best saves I've ever seen. And he just it's just not even remembered. It it he he's just next level, next level. And if um, you know, Barcelona have money and were competently run anymore, I'm sure they'd go for him. I'm sure they would. Um, you know, uh we're just fortunate that, you know, PSG have Donnarumma, Real Madrid have Courtois. Um the only club I'd look at and think, hmm, would I be worried might be a you know, let's imagine Chelsea making an insane £100 million bid. You know, again, I'd be, whilst it's a lot of money, I'd still be thinking like, bloody hell though. Like, no matter how much money you get, replacing him is very, very difficult. So yeah. I, I don't know. I just think, I'm not saying that he wouldn't go at some point. You know, they might take the money and think they can replace him. And again, as I said, I have full confidence in Monchi and Emery and, you know, to, to do that. But it is the one that I'd be the most fearful of thinking, Oh, I just don't know if I don't I don't know how you replace that. Um and it's probably the hardest one to replace. Um that's just yeah, so that's where I sit. And I think I think for me it's Martinez. Kamara doesn't fall come far off, you know. Um mm. we spent yeah. years trying to find a CDM and we, yeah. we, we couldn't get a really good one and we we finally have one. Yeah, um, and we and we and we certainly missed them over the Christmas period, didn't we? Exactly. Um Massive. it was a huge miss. Yeah, but you could say you could say that about a lot of our players this season. Could yeah. be someone like Conzer if he went, he was off for a while. We would certainly miss him and Watkins as well. And you know, there's we've got so many key players at the moment um, that I would be loath to lose any of them, Frankie. Mm. Um, so let's just hope that um, we manage to hang on to them for many more seasons to come. Okay, that is it. Thank you, everybody, for listening. I've been your host, George Linsky. See you later, Frankie. Catching a bit, George, up the villa. Up the villa. And it is goodbye from me, too. We'll be back again soon. But until then, come on, Super Aston Villa.